your host, Alex Garrett. Well, here we are. It's another day. It's a Wednesday. And by the way, uh, did you catch any of last night's big convention night for the Dems? Did you catch the way President Bill Clinton, uh, you know, really kicked off the big speeches? And he said the Democrats were united. Our party is united in offering you a very different choice. A go-to-work president. A down-to-earth, get-the-job-done guy. Our choice is Joe Biden. Okay, their choice is Joe Biden. Then the next, the very next speaker, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, says this. In a time when millions of people in the United States are looking for deep, systemic solutions, I hereby second the nomination of Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont for President of the United States of America. Okay, so how united is it? And then someone texted me the screenshot. Well, did you see what she said and that she could nominate because it was tradition the problem I have with that argument is uh, it's a tradition to nominate the runner-up. The problem with that argument is she didn't even mention Biden in the 90, what, six seconds she had to talk. So I, I have to wonder if you combine both of them, Is this really a uh, is this really a united Democratic Party? Our party is united in offering you a very different choice. I hereby second the nomination. Our choice is Joe Biden. Of Senator Bernard Sanders of Vermont. I mean, uh, it's like uh, two different tracks here. And as I said on social media, it is the funniest looking unity I've seen from a party. And more than that, I think the Dems are in a bit of trouble if their future, so to speak, doesn't even mention the current nominee. Fascinating stuff to watch. Uh, And one other thought I had, because... As all that's going on, I'm I'm also seeing how, you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. is being blasted for hitting three and O, and actually hitting a homer, but hitting three and O. Even his own manager was upset. But to me, baseball is a funny game, and I think we saw a lot of that at City Field last year. We've seen it time and time again. If you don't get the hits or the home runs or the runs when you can, the other team could come back and and really make you make you pay for that. So. 3-0 hitting, it is what it is. Yeah, he's young. Yeah, automatic take is a thing, but you know, if he's confident enough to swing 3-0, I do it. I saw a guy against on the Yanks the other day swing 3-0, so it's not uncommon. It's just that it was a, a big lead, I guess, and also, for the Padres, it was 3-0. But I never seen his own as a guy's own team get upset at him for hitting a homer like that. I, I, it's unbelievable. 
Anyway, and I actually thought baseball players were tougher than, than worrying about that. But right now, I want to turn my attention to Jared Hawk. Jared is a PS 107 fifth grade school teacher in the New York City school system. He actually returned to his classroom in Brooklyn yesterday um, for the first time since March. Jared, I know that had to be emotional. Thanks for joining me and tell us about that experience. Well, it's very strange because, again, for like many teachers in New York City, um, we kind of left abruptly. You know, like we were teaching live on one random day in the middle of March, and all of a sudden we're being told, hey, this Friday is going to be the last time we're in person. And we were originally told for like two weeks, so a lot of people straightened up their room, but just like, left Mm, I hear, and so coming back yesterday for the first time seeing all the papers up for march seeing all the kids stuff like all in their desks still so i had to clean all that stuff out and just that was like an emotional moment because it's tricky it's very tricky having to come back into a very uncertain situation did it almost feel like a movie scene? Like you almost left a set and then you walked back on it and saw all this so, stuff thrown around? Yes and no. I'm sorry for interrupting, for sure. Um, but it was clean. Like the public schools have been cleaned thoroughly. And from what I've seen in my school, like <laughs> I know in years past, my floors have never been cleaned just for whatever reason. But this year, like they took all of the stuff out of the rooms and then put the stuff back in the rooms. So, like the stuff on the walls was how I left it, but a lot of other things had shifted around. So it was actually more of a mess when I first came in mm. than I remember leaving it. And how's the sanitation going? I mean, is that part of it where they were cleaning the rooms and and making sure it was sanitized? And 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 is that yeah. the reason why? Um, that's definitely part of it. I mean, we have a new janitor on staff that I've seen, um, who was there when I came in the other day. I just met him for the first time. Um, and I'm sure, uh, the city schools are getting instructions to make sure that there's a lot more cleaning. Like we've been having meetings with the school or we've been told about these meetings that like, um, they're going to be having bathrooms cleaned during the middle of the day. So that's something that's really never happened before. Usually it happens like once a day at the end of the day, but they're going to be having to try to do rotations to try to make sure things stay sanitary, things stay sanitized and to try to limit the spread. So was that emotion also maybe sort of like, I can't believe that they're actually going to try and put us back there too. Like, are you feeling that? in a forward-thinking way, like, should we really go back? Is, is that crossing your mind often, too, these days? Yeah, no, it's it's a mix of a lot of things. Because, again, it's just so much uncertainty. Like, I literally don't know my class list yet, mm. which is normal in a normal situation for August because most teachers haven't been back yet. But it's also very different because, as you probably heard this past week, like 40,000 new students are asking for remote learning. 
Right. So yeah, this is huge. How many kids are even going to be in the classroom? We have to come back and set up because that's the job right now. Like, if there are going to be kids in the building, we have to be ready for them. But then in the back of your head, it's like, okay, I'm going to be teaching live, so I need to set up the room. There's not going to be a full class. There's going to be a lot of kids online also. So am I going to be doing both remote learning and trying to lead a class on Zoom while also teaching the kids that are there? And then again, how many kids are even going to be there? So it's trying to think about how am I going to set up a room for social distance and um, the small amount of kids while also trying to keep in mind the kids that aren't going to be there in person. Jared, you are a fairly young teacher, and as we're yeah. talking about this, I'm just thinking maybe you are concerned about bringing it if you see your family or whatnot. But I would say, is your concern also for teachers that are older? Like, I mean, that is a huge risk for them, isn't it? Well, that is the one thing the Department of Education is doing. Like, there are many teachers in my building that are putting in for accommodations to teach remotely and I don't blame them in any way, shape or form. Like that's completely understandable because yeah, it's a very good point. Many adults in this country have pre existing health conditions. Like that's a thing that has to be addressed. So a lot of teachers at my school have put in for accommodations. And it's not the worst thing in the world considering how many students are gonna be remote anyways. Now so the the those who put in for it are gonna get the request met or is there a chance some might get denied. I mean, mainly the school kids. I they... can't answer that question. I don't know yet because we, as a staff, don't even know wow. who. It's not like a secret, but, again, we haven't been back in person. We haven't. It's still teacher vacation, so a lot of the specifics from the DOE aren't being told to us yet. Did you see any of your colleagues yesterday when you went back for the first time? Um, there was only me and one of the teachers. And so were you just inspired to go back, or was it mandated? What was the reasoning for you to go back? No, it's it's what I usually do every year. I try to go back the last, like, two weeks in August for a few days. Not a lot, not every day, but just to try to get ready for the next year. Now, you do fifth grade. Was there going to be a moving up ceremony that you had to miss in person to sixth, or what is that system yeah. like? Did you miss yeah, a graduation? Last year. Wow. last year we did it on Zoom. How was that for you? I had a, it had to be harrowing, actually, in a, in a way. Well, yeah, I actually had looped up with that same group from fourth grade, so I had taught them for two years. And then to have to do that ceremony virtually instead of in person, it was rough. I'm getting shivers down my spine. It wasn't fun in any way shape, way, shape, or form. And how did you pull yourself through all this? You're a teacher in New York City, you're doing remote learning, and you have a graduate. I mean, so much rush yesterday alone i mean just the last few months so take us through a bit of a timeline because i don't think we hear enough from how the teachers were able to do this and so from your point of view march comes you're teaching in class then you're out of class and what was the following few months like well i can't speak for everyone but i know for me personally and a bunch of other teachers in my school we had been using google classroom for a number of years so, like, I was very familiar with the program. So, originally, when we were told that it was going to be closed for a few weeks, because no one envisioned New York City schools shutting down for the rest of the school year when we left, um, it was basically 
we'll do a few assignments on Google Classroom, and then we'll come back. And then as we started to figure out, okay, hold on, we're not going to be coming back. We started playing around with Zoom more and all of a sudden trying to teach a concept using Zoom and then having them do assignments on Google Classroom. But again, it was a learning curve for everyone because some kids forgot their username, so we have to mm-hmm. contact parents and try to get them online on the same system. Um, the technology for some people wasn't accessible, so we had to figure out ways to uh, fix that. Um, there was just a lot of different obstacles that kept popping up that we had to deal with that don't usually come on a day-to-day basis as a teacher. Sure. You know, I was noticing on other videos across the web, teachers were so proud that students that you may not have thought would complete the work did complete the work. Was that a case for you? Like, were you like, wow, these kids still stayed engaged even from afar? And I always say when that happens, that's so yes a credit and no. to the teacher, by the way. Yeah, so yes and no. Like, there were a few kids that actually completed assignments faster online than in person. And I couldn't tell you the exact reason for that. I mean, I could tell you the reason for one of them because one child always wants to use the iPad in class. And so all of a sudden giving an opportunity to just use technology all day, I think was like a godsend for him personally. Mm. But for others, it was just that, okay, you're at home now, you could do work. So they were doing work. But there were other children who usually do complete assignments much quicker that all of a sudden were taking a lot longer. So again, it's, it's very personal, I guess, for each student, how they reacted to it. But Other kids would complain when we come on Zoom that they missed everybody and that they, they were having a hard time. And again, that's really an issue, like the emotional component that isn't really being addressed about the long-term emotional effects. People talk about the academic effects. Yeah, of course, there's going to be a lot of kids that miss a lot of school. It's going to put us in an academic hole, but that's the entire world. But it's the mental effect. Like, this is going to be a massive thing for children that are not socially interacting with children their own age. So, but but then it's like, do we risk their health to be social? I mean, there's so many questions right, right, right. doing this. It's, it's crazy. And my aunt in California told me the same thing. Like, these kids have to see each other. And by the way, you're a teacher, not a you know, a counselor, but I guess you sort of started to play that role more so in this time than maybe other times in person. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, We were talking about what we're going to try to push in terms of academics. And I think one of the things that has to be addressed is mental health a lot more. So trying to maybe set aside a full period of the day, maybe hopefully a full period. Honestly, it might be more of a half a period to dedicate to this, but like meditation, mindfulness, stuff like that, just trying to get into good mental habits in order to make sure that the emotional well-being of the children is looked after in ways that haven't done in the past. So if that actually is something my school starts to implement, I'd be very happy. Um, because, yeah, you're 100% right. Um, we're not counselors, but it, there needs to be, in some sense, like kid gloves on, that this is, I mean, literally, they are children, and this is a lot for adults, so I can only imagine how hard it is for children, and 
making sure that they have the tools to deal with the emotional component is important. I've been talking to family about this, and, and uh, one of the conversations was about, well, they reopen. How are the kids going to make sure the masks are on them? I mean, have you, has your school yes. given any guidance to that? Again, that I think has to come from the DOE like central more because again we haven't been told what exactly they're expecting. I'm assuming they're going to ask for masks at all times, but again, that's going to be tricky for a five-year-old. That's going to be tricky for a lot of kids who just can't sit still for that long a period of time. Maybe middle schoolers can do it. Maybe even fourth and fifth graders can do it. But I struggle seeing a bunch of first graders wearing a mask the entire day without. Oh my masks. God, it would be that would be chaos. I mean, you see masks thrown everywhere if you ask me. <laughs> now, hopefully, that's not true. Again, the class sizes, especially in the city, are going to be much smaller in person. And again, like you saw, forty thousand people applied in one day. So, the class sizes are going to be very small. So I feel like it's possible for the masks to be worn all day. But again, trying to give them breaks. Right. Uh, my school is right next to Soundview Park, um, which unfortunately right now, I guess the Parks Department's budget has been shredded because I went there yesterday to just see what that area was like. And there were down trees from the storm that hadn't been like, cleaned up yet. There was like a ton of garbage bags just sitting near the garbage, like, um, pails that the city has but they haven't been cleaned up so obviously going to that park wasn't great yesterday that shocked me but um i was hoping that during the school year i'd be able to like go outside with the few kids i'd have just to give them like a chance to take off the mask for a few minutes in like oh outdoor area absolutely i i think outdoors if you don't have to wear the mask you shouldn't i think that's one of the best areas to breathe and, and get that air into our lungs. Uh, Jared, have parents or have you been hearing circles like the, the bigger picture now is kids are not going to be back in school because parents are taking them out. They're doing their own thing. Have you noticed that trend going to kick in here too? Like they just start taking kids out of school completely and doing their own thing? Um, like to do what? Homeschooling? Homeschooling or I even leaving the state. Yep, I mean, that's how crazy this is, this is getting right now. So personally, I know three of my kids from last year are in the city right now. I know two are in Pennsylvania with their father and one is like his entire family moved to Arizona. Um, but for the most part from my school, it seems that a lot of people are staying put, but are just going to be pulling their kids out to do remote learning for now. Uh, I had parents come by uh, and drop off books from last year. I want to like collect them so I can like sanitize them and try to reuse them for next year. And the issue I was having, or no, no, an issue I was having, an issue we discussed was if they were going to bring their siblings back to 107 in the fall. And all the parents that came said no. And in fact, the middle schoolers weren't going to be going live either. They were going to be going remote. So, Again, you can't extrapolate those numbers for the entire student body. I'm sure there will be people coming back, but I think a vast majority of parents and students are going to be remote. 
And that may not be the the worst option either, but I guess as a teacher, no. what, would you rather than be home if that's the case, or where would you rather be? I'd rather them do whatever they felt was best for their families. That, and for yourself, though, if, you, if, if there were no kids in there, would you rather teach from home, or does the, cl- the classroom invigorate I you? believe, for myself personally, I, I'm very happy to be able to go back and teach in a school environment, having all the materials there that I need them to be, being able to easily uh, talk to other teachers about an issue I'm having or about how we should plan, because that was always an issue from last year. My class would be in one spot in terms of a subject or a topic, and I didn't find that there was any issue, and so i move on, right? But meanwhile, the other fifth grade class was struggling with something. It's like we were on two different pages. Now, it's not the worst thing because it's two individual classes, but also like you kind of want to be on the same page to kind of bounce off each other. And that wasn't as easy last year. And, and so, so I wouldn't you, mind going back myself. And so you're even if I was teaching remotely. Your counterpart in the other fifth grade class, were you able to talk to them or was there very limited communication about that? It sounds like there was very limited communication. I mean, it's not limited, but it just wasn't. It, it just was tricky because you're not in the same building anymore. Right. So if you reach out, you don't know if they're talking to a parent. If you're, if they're, there's so many things that they could be doing at that moment. They could be talking to a parent. They could be doing a Zoom meeting themselves. So if I'm taking a little break to try to like think about something, I can't just pop over and talk to them. Jared, when. <laughs> When the city and the state sort of really reversed course on whether or not to open schools and decided, were you shocked or were you like, what was your reaction? Because it seemed like a complete one or complete 360, like one day to the next. Which one? Well, just the call to reopen. I mean, that was never in the discussion up until a couple of weeks ago when they started to really ramp it up a bit and finally made the decision to open schools. Um, I've been trying to keep a level head and not anticipate their moves because then I'm going to think what's going to happen and I'm trying to plan it out in my head and then they seem to do the opposite. So I, I really wasn't that shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if we went fully remote and I wouldn't have been, I'm not shocked that they plan to go live. So again, it's just trying to uh, be ready for any eventuality. One other thing, you know, people are talking about is whether or not the blended classes would work. I don't even get the blended schedule, but you might have a better idea. What well, What's the whole yeah, concept behind that? Now, so again, you can't have more than 10 kids in a room. Now, I've routinely had over 30 in a classroom. So how does that work if you can only have 10 in a room? So they separated the kids into four blocks. D, I'll start with because D is fully remote. They don't come in at all. So they're a part of your class, but they're not really in the equation for figuring out scheduling. As opposed to everyone else, they split them into thirds, A, B, and C, right? Um, to keep it semi-schedule uh, consistent, every week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday are A, B, and C, respectively. So Wednesdays are A days, Thursdays are B days, and Fridays are C days. As po- and Monday and Tuesday, they alternate. The first week it would be A, B. The second week, it would be B, C. And then the last week, it would be C, A. 
That way, every group, every three weeks, comes in five times, I believe. Uh, it just sounds so, confusing to me. It's I, a little bit confusing. It's, I mean, no, what am I saying? It's very confusing. But the reason they're doing it this way is to try to stagger the kids. So that's just the live kids. So let's say just it's an A day, right? That means B, C, and D would all be remote online. So the way the DOE seems to be talking about it is the day those kids are live, the teacher will be teaching the live kids, and then there will be another teacher from the building, a remote teacher, that will be teaching B, C, and D online. And then that would switch. If the next day was a B day, B would be in person, and then A, C, and D would be taught by the remote teacher. Now, there are those teachers, and I might be trying to do this also, that are going to try to do both at the same time. And we'll see how that goes. That would Again, be great. It's being very flexible this year and being open to really any possibility. So let's say different teachers are doing different things. Does that affect anything economically with teacher wages? I mean, is there a, f- a factor? No, no, no. I don't think that's really going to be touched this year. Okay. I guess that's a good thing, right? I mean, at least that can be shelved for a minute or, or, or not. That would be like a union issue and probably something they're going to bring up at like the next contract talks. I don't, I don't fully understand that stuff, to be honest. When when the city came out with this blended plan, though, did parents? Uh, what was the first reaction around the school, and what did parents have to say to the school and and just to people individually? Well, parents are very confused, and teachers are very confused. There's still a lot of confusion and uncertainty, so it's trying to um, figure out the best course forward, but all the while trying to field questions. And there's a lot of anger and confusion, like I just said, but... Well, I guess my question is, are they going through the school or are some directing, contacting you directly about this with all their fears? Um, I've had no teach... Uh, pa- sorry. I've had no parents reach out to me directly. Uh, my school and many other schools in the DOE have had virtual town halls, and parents have voiced concerns there. And I know... I think people have been trying to reach out like to the mayor's office and things like that. Cause again, just, just a lot of confusion. And I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to force you to get political here, but I do not think the battle between Cuomo and de Blasio, I mean, it's never ending with them, but that's not helping the situation either right now. No, that doesn't seem to be helping. Especially because remember that in March they were debating whether to close schools yeah. or not. It was kind of bizarre actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, not to talk about that for too long, but yeah, it it seems that they both have their own opinions about it, and it it is confusing to get an actual grasp of the Jared. I got a plan when they both seem to be on different pages. I got to ask you about this. You, you've had all this stuff going on. You, you did find some time to take a vacation and a trip by yourself. Where was it? I saw that yeah. all over. How how relaxing was that? That's very cool. It's very good to. That's the one thing I've been able to do a lot more is connect back to nature. And so I've been doing a lot of hiking around New York. I drove to Maine, Utah. Uh, just been a lot of time to be alone. 
and like just compose my thoughts and stuff like that. And nature's like wonderful right now. Like you said earlier, it's like the easiest way to breathe, honestly. It is. And it's just so a little insight when I rollerblade, if there's nobody around, I don't wear the mask. I just don't feel yeah. the need I understand to. It. And you know, the funny thing is, the whole thing about that was there was like an original thing about that um, to begin with, six feet or more. That's where. Or less, that's when you had to wear it. But it's just evolved into something it shouldn't have, which is a political debate. I don't know how it got there. Anyway, I also know that you do a, you were starting up a podcast, and I know that it's not been updated. But what do you have any mind, anything in mind to keep that going once you know sort of a stabler plan that they have in place? Um, I think that's going to be something I'm able to do more for the mindfulness bit because the podcast I made with the students last year was called Rockets Launch to Positivity. Now our school, like, I guess mascot, or like just the uh, name they call ourselves are the Rockets. And um, it was supposed to be a bunch of messages of, I guess it says, like positive thinking, mental health. Um, we had actually split the class into six groups, and each group was, researching a topic and actually they had written scripts for it and then we had to go remote and I was only able to actually record one group. I was able to get them on zoom and record one group, unfortunately. Um, yeah, we were able to do three episodes beforehand. One was an interview with a woman from Australia. She uh, lived through the wildfires there and she was talking to us about how she was able to adapt and stay positive. Um, then my second one was with the group I was able to record with the kids. They talked about bullying and why it's not okay and the ways you can combat it. Not violently, obviously, because it's not a martial arts podcast. Sure. Um, but the last one was the most interesting one. That was done fully on Zoom. We interviewed a Holocaust survivor, and that was a very cool experience for the kids. But yeah, to answer, also answer your question about uh, how I'm going to continue it, I think once we get into a swing for the new school year and the new kids I have, I could introduce the concept to them and they can come up with the topics they'd want to research this year. And hopefully we could actually do it this year. Jared, since this is, a, this is a podcast, tell me why you feel it's important, A, getting their voice out there, and B, you know, getting them introduced to podcasting matters uh, in this time. Um, I just think it's by far the easiest uh, medium to get your voice out there. Now, I'm sure you can use a lot of the social media outlets, but in terms of just being able to talk for an unencumbered period of time, I think this is just an easy way to get their thoughts out there. And they were able to talk and they were able to listen to uh, inspirational words, and it was just an important thing that podcasts are a way of getting information and hearing different points of view. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it was just an interesting idea that we came up with, and so I have think the they kids, enjoyed it a lot. Have the kids reach out and said, hey, uh, you know, Mr. Hoke, I, I've been <clears throat> listening to this one, or I've been listening to this one. Have you heard any feedback like that? A few kids, again, they are 10. So this was an interesting idea to try and do it. I actually got the inspiration from 
a teacher in Michigan who has who did a podcast a couple years ago. Um, but a few kids took on to it. They listened to a few other people's podcasts. I I wish I could remember who they said, but yeah, a few kids actually really took off onto it. That's that's really freaking cool, actually. Um, that that the future is listening to. Hey, uh, you know you are as I mentioned a younger teacher. So for those, and you completed your master's, you you went to get certified as a teacher. So for those who have done that and about that same age and may not be handling this as well, what what's your message for other younger teachers who you know once they graduate now they're thrown into this? I mean, it's it's quite a jump. It is definitely quite a jump. But um, I guess to stay positive, like there's always going to be challenges as a teacher. And the thing you have to do is just adapt because at the end of the day, kind of sounds silly to say, but you have 30 humans that you are responsible for. And like to not, I guess, rise to that is, a disservice to them because there are studies done about what happens when a child doesn't have a good education for a year, two years, three years, and the amount of like catching up they have to do in order literally to catch up academically with their peers. It's crazy. So I guess, Oh, just stay, stay positive in terms of understand that you're doing the best you can and, the kids are going to pick up on that. If you're trying your best and you're staying, I guess, calm for them and trying to do your best for them, they will be able to pick up on that. And anything you're doing right now is enough because it's a very tough time for everybody. And as long as you're actively trying to give these kids the best education you can, then you can provide, then that's enough for now. Because I'm sure everyone's going to make mistakes. I know I make mistakes all the time. I'm sure um, there are things everyone could do better, but just doing the best you can right now. And at the same time, maybe there's a feeling in among teachers, young and, and experienced and veteran teachers, that almost say, you know what, I was called to do this, and this moment is proving that to me, myself and I, that yes, I was called to do this, and, and we're going to do it. Yeah. So yeah, you just said like it. If you're not going to rise right now, like then, if you're only going to teach when conditions are perfect and when things are easy, then uh, <laughs> I don't know. Because it's not easy right now. It's not perfect or ideal conditions. So you just got to deal with it right now. Well, I remember technologically when they started to install the smart boards. That was the biggest challenge back then. Who knew? that a bigger challenge would be on the horizon, right? I mean, it's just kind of crazy. To yeah, think for about. sure, man. So, uh, and Jared, last time we saw John, I think it was after one of the races in Central Park. I think we were volunteering for the Roadrunners, and I happened to see you there, so that was that was awesome. And uh, hopefully we can catch up soon. And I guess the million-dollar question is, will there be New York City Public School on September 10th? Are we really going to do this? I wish I could have an answer for you. Unfortunately, don't know. Well, and the resources you're using and people could be using as well? Um, For the most part, yeah. I, I use, especially, uh, I use Google Classroom fairly frequently. 
that's a free program. It's from Google Classroom, use Docs, um, Google Slides, Google Page. Like, there's lots of different options. Um, those are all free. I use a lot of um, math programs like Khan Academy, Prodigy. Those are also free to sign up for. Um, bu- 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 yeah, also- most of the resources I use online are free. And also, if, if, if parents and teachers and you guys don't want to hear from leadership, what's the other alternative resource to hear from uh, that giving information by the minute, pretty much? I wish I could answer that one. I wish I could. I, I don't know the best resource to get accurate information about the DOE right now. Other than the government. All right. Well, I, I just know right. there were external sources, but... That that is a good point. That mainly they're leading, they're calling the shots in Albany and, and New York, and we'll see what happens. But Jared, yeah. thank you for this. And no worries, Doc. I I can't imagine the emotional flow you're going through, and 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 you're going to be fine, and you're going to do this. You know, you're well, it was really good to talk to you. I really appreciate you reaching out. And of course, yeah. Hopefully, we'll catch up soon. Eh? And you're you're a it's Jet a fan, stuff. right? You're, you're a sports fan. I'm sure you're excited about that too. Uh, that, that sports is back here, here and there. Here and there, it's still a little weird. And yeah, well, I get that. But no, you're doing a great job with this all, and uh, I look forward to hearing from you again soon, man. Absolutely, come back when things are a little more solidified. This was Jared Hawk. He's a teacher at PS107, giving us an inside scoop of what it was like returning to his classroom yesterday to start making preparation for September 10th. We'll hear from him again. I'm Alex Garrett. This is Alex Garrett Podcasting.